0: Acts 4, 1 to 8. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the presence of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now, so when they had come together they asked him Lord will you at this time restore the kingdom of the kingdom to Israel he said to them it is not for you to know times or season that the father has fixed by his own authority but you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Hallelujah. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth, hallelujah, today we privilege to have and I miss our father, some say our papa, some will see our brother, some will see our friend, some will say our senior pastor and our spiritual father, Reverend Dr. Fred to minister and teach us the word.
1: Today, we'll continue and do part two. The specific emphasis will be on the Holy Spirit, but I've just chosen to title it Church Growth Part Two. The part two dealing with a, a revision of what we did and then going on to a new level. Uh, It can be a very long sermon. I try to do about 35, 40 minutes today. But I've been invited to Kumasi to give this, to give a talk on church growth. And I asked them, how much time do I have? And they they called back and said, we've given you 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Can you handle it? I said, bless my soul. I can handle it. I said, are you sure? I said, yes, I can see, because when you stop and break and stop and break in your church, the people run shift, or you have to come back and review and go forward, go back, go forward, you don't get a chance to share what you want to share. But this is a group of pastors who said, I don't know what the number is. I told the person, it doesn't really matter to me what the number is. whether it's 1 or 10 or 100, it doesn't make any difference. But they've given me ample time to share. So I ran through this, and I stopped where I need to stop, just because of time. In the next two weeks, I'll come back. We are looking at the, the church that Christ built and talking about growing healthy churches. As we can remember, we've been looking at the mission of the church to exalt God in worship. Read it together with me. To exalt God in worship, grow towards Christian maturity, and reach out to the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll come back to this. In another way. Now what is the particular vision of Calvary Baptist? Here? What do we expect? What do we envision? What is it that we are really trying to be? We want to be a vibrant congregation impacting the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Yes, if we are, then we must impact the world. Now, today, what is the aim of this lesson? To learn, understand, and apply the factors that help develop healthy churches and individuals. Let me explain this. The operating word, there are many, but it's healthy churches. You see, a healthy church, you can compare it to a human being. There are some boys now in town. When you see them, you see that they are children, but they've grown beard. Do you know how children grow beard? You know. Do you know how they do it? If you don't know because you have not asked. There are some black or brown people like me, particularly the ladies. When you see them, they are fair. Do you know how they became white Caucasians? You know how they do it. If you don't know, you ask them. There are some men, when you see them, they are macho. They are trunks. And their legs and their arms are bigger than that of an elephant. Do you know how they do it? Okay. So there are a number of things that human beings can do to grow. And there are a number of things that churches can do to grow. It does not necessarily mean that the bigger, the healthier. Church health is a different and a difficult concept. So you can see churches, church leaders are beginning to say that the church in Africa is big, but are we healthy? What do we mean by that? Now, that's what we want to look at, to understand what it is. Last week, we said there are four types of growth. One, when you are growing spiritually. Then if you are growing spiritually, of course, because you have been trained and nurtured and fed, you must also grow, expand. New birth must be seen. Healthy couples, God blesses them. They have children. Healthy churches, all things being equal, must have numbers. Extension growth, you plant churches among our type of people. So it's fair. They all speak the same language that you speak, and it's good. God loves it. We all speak Ghanaian languages or speak a certain type of language. It's wonderful. But then you must cross the bridge. Cross over to Macedonia and help. That's where missionary groups like Ghana Institute of Linguistic Bible Translators and all these translations are about so that we can plant churches that cause the gospel to go. Christ died not for individuals. He died for his church. And he wants his church to be planted. Now, when you look at these four types, we also simplify it by saying that churches need to grow in four ways. As we are here, particularly internally, we can become a warmer group through fellowship. The fellowship is warm. We love each other. Or we grow deeper, strengthen each other, follow the Christ who taught us. We are filled with the spirit and we live a spirit-filled life. And that doesn't come easily. The third one, as we come before him and we worship, we bow, we kneel, we hear his word, we give our tithes and our offering, we usher, we do all these things that God wants us to do. Fine, we grow deeper, all things being equal. And last but not the least. We do not forget his commandment that we can grow larger through evangelism. Last week also I emphasized that there are some churches that are called kingdom churches or to be known as a kingdom-minded church, a church that does the will of God. There are at least four principles or four cardinal foundational doctrines, truths, Christ is the Lord of this church, not any human being. Whoever they are, whether it's Apollos or Paul or Cephas or Fred or John or Kwame or Mensah or Araba, if they are truly a kingdom church, they will say, Jesus is Lord. Not only say, it; you must see it and feel it. The Holy Spirit is the commander general of the church. He leads us, He directs us, He opens doors, He closes doors, He pours His Spirit on us, and He can guide us into all truth. Thirdly, when we meet, what do we meet for? We meet among many other things. I mean, we do many things when we meet. But prayer and seeking the will and the face of God is one of the key reasons that a, a church exists. We see that in the book of Acts. When there's trouble, we pray. We prayed pastoral prayer, all forms of prayer, intercession. If you've been following our study in the book of Tim- Timothy on air, you see all kinds of prayers, petitions. Pray for our leaders that they will stay focused. Pray for everybody. Pray for all men because God is not willing for anybody to perish. But last but not the least, the church has leadership. And that leadership, whatever their title is, their single job. Or their most important job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I introduced a 154 principle of the Kingdom Focus Church last week, and I go over it again. The church has one main focus, and that is the Great Commission. Now, when you read the passage that, when you go over the passage that we, we read today, it was interesting. Yeah, Jesus telling his disciples, now, he's about to leave them. They should wait for the Holy Spirit. Then they ask him a question. What is the question? Your Sunday school. What is the question that the disciples asked Jesus Christ? Will you, will they, will you give us the kingdom at this time? Will the kingdom come at this time? They are more interested in the kingdom coming. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Yeah. They wanted freedom, political power to be theirs. That was their concern. So the Lord is talking about sending them the Holy Spirit, wait for it, and they're asking the kingdom so that they can be minister of defense, they can have the nice houses, they have money, they have family. That's what they were asking him. But interestingly, he says, did he not mind them or he ignored them or he focused on what was important to him? So he gave them an agenda. And that agenda we see in verses 7 and 8. He looked at them. He had the question. And sometimes you don't need to answer those questions. Just tell them what. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be, you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, And in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. That's what he says, specific. Giving them a command, giving them direction, giving them instruction. you receive power. So what he's saying that when the power comes on you, this is what you will do. You'll be my witnesses. We have a choice. We can either be faithful witnesses or liars. Untruthful witnesses. And the lawyers know that. If you ever go to court, you know it. I don't have time today to go into many of these illustrations. So he told them. And they waited. The Holy Spirit came. And they had no plans to go to some of these places. But the Holy Spirit directed them to go to some of these places. So the kingdom-focused church must keep this as our main focus. Again, there must be five functions... That we perform in order to be a healthy Christian kingdom focused church evangelism, discipleship, fellowship, ministry, and worship. It is typical in some churches that they specialize in one or the other. And some of these things, when you focus on them, it can cause a certain type of growth, but it will not be balanced growth. <laughs> I said I'll minimize my, my illustration. But I, let me just say, I went to see a, 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 a man who was trying to have a, a corn farm. Then he said, Pastor, I, I don't know what to do with this corn. I asked him, why? He said, look, it's so tall and it's so green. He said, what's the problem? And I looked at the corn. I said, you've been giving it fertilizer? I said, yes. Then I looked up and there was light. And I said, what light is it? It says a street light. Do they turn it on in the night? He said, yes. I said, ah, you know photosynthesis? Yeah. He said, go and read. The corn has no time to rest. It's obeying the light <laughs> day and night. So it's just growing, growing, growing. When you get corn on it, you bring it and let me see. It was about 10 or 12 feet tall. And when he saw the maze, he brought and said, I'm amazed. I said, there are laws of nature. Hello, are you with me? So, you can spark certain things that will cause growth, but it not be fruit. So, a church can evangelize and cause many people to come to church. Wonderful. Are you discipling them? Are they fellowshipping? Went to this church, big church, 50,400 members. They sat in the hall, and I was looking at them and said, how do you take care of this flock? Later on, I heard that the bishop said, God has given him a new revelation that they must have sheepfold and small groups to take care of the people because there's too much trouble in the house. I say, you've done well. May God help you. So, balanced. So the healthy church may not necessarily be a mighty huge church. But a mighty huge church, if you know what it is, you can have it. Just like people have acres and acres and acres of farm and they are healthy. That's what is feeding us not malnourished Farms. I shared four areas, key strategies. That's on the 154, the key strategies. And I want to challenge us today, and I'll come back to that in terms of the question at the end of it. Corporate worship. When was the last time you invited anybody to join in your worship service? It's open. Does the person sit near you do you know who is near you? Corporate worship is for believers and unbelievers. That's why I was commending the choir. There are things that we do. It edifies us. It's in, the book of, it's in the book of Corinthians. I say this and you are misunderstood and misinterpreted. All right, let me say it again. There are things that we do in church that are for our own benefit. But Paul said... There are certain things you do. When somebody comes to your midst, they will not understand you. And they will say, are you not mad? Because he doesn't understand. Yes, you can bubble in tongues, but you go on for 15, 20 minutes. What, What is that? He said, I'm scared. As you will see later on, if there's a tongue that is from God, it must be interpreted. You can do a certain form of dance. This guy came from some fetish background. So when he's seeing you dancing this bracketed, he's not sure if it is a dancing in the spirit. He thinks you are demonized. But look, church exists for the benefit of outsiders. People must come. So you bring them in the lowest common denominator and train them. Open group, leading members to faith in Christ. Encourage them to carry out the Great Commission through small groups. The safest way to introduce people to Christ is in your Sunday school class and it's in your shiffle. When was the last time you introduced anybody to any shiful or any Sunday school class? Can I encourage you from now on when you meet a Sunday school class have one chair for that visitor, not for Jesus. He, The whole house is his. Have one chair praying for that person and when somebody brings somebody who he has not stolen from another church but a greenhorn and say, let's read the Bible, let's turn the book of Genesis. Then he's turning it like this, then you know, yes. And you pray for that person. The open group is an open house. It's a strategy. You bring them in. Don't laugh at them. Then, close groups. I'll come to close groups. Are you somewhere where you are being trained and nurtured to grow? When I joined Calvary years back, my tra- group that trained me in evangelism and follow-up in Calvary was meeting where the credit union is now. There was a nymph tree. And near the nymph tree, there was a rubbish dump. And that rubbish dump almost had, always had smoke. It reminded me later of Gehenna, hell. But that's why we met, to worship God. And we have been trained and coached how to disciple people, how to grow in the Lord. Today we have buildings and people do not go. So you are here. It's good to go to Sunday school, but I'm saying that there are closed groups. There must be close groups where people are trained and equipped to be a counselor, to be an usher. Some of these things did not, did not come by osmosis. If children can go to school under trees, is it too much asking people to go under trees? Are you motivated enough to sit under tree or canopy or some corner here? To be taught how to be a marriage counselor, how to be a disciple, how to be a prayer warrior, how to be acquired this and that. Convenient Christians, you are not willing to pay the price to be in a closed group six weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, 20 weeks. Sometimes, you see, preaching is like spraying water on people. You spray, you spray, you spray, spray, spray. Made me come into my own eyes. So it's coming. It doesn't have any effect or it has little effect But when you take something like a bottle and you spray it like this, it's precise. It goes to the point. That's what closed group does. We focus on you. We teach you. We train you. We equip you. I'm introducing you to that. Now, closed group, let's think beyond Sunday school. Let's think beyond open groups. Let's go to closed groups where the saints are taught. Peter James and John the inner circle taught fortified by Jesus prayer warriors taught fortified by him and nobody could shake him even when they are trying to shake them say crucify me upside down then above all that you see them leading to ministry growth so that's it's a very powerful strategy and churches that are growing that are healthy this is where they develop their leaders See the CLIs and all those. They are developed in small, small groups like that, where we support each other and train them. The last but not the least is that when you have done all these things, then people bubble with the spirit of God to go wherever God will send them. Say, Lord, send me. They find that this place is too small, and they start all kinds of ministries that you have no idea about. Backpackers ministry. I went to a saddleback and they were having ministry fair. He said, he I said, have one simple key. Any ministry can form in the church, provided somebody is passionate enough to be the leader, and he finds other people who want to join him. So, Spirit Anointed Man, Pastor, I want to have a ministry to the poor and the needy. He said, yes, you want to. I, do you have a gift of leadership? He said, no. Let's advertise it if somebody comes the lift list of a gift of that we can form the ministry and we bring others in so there's practically no limit to what the holy spirit can do now give me the next slide this is where the holy spirit even in gifting the church doesn't do it excuse my language by heart there are gifts that the holy spirit has given us today we're talking about church growth and the holy spirit there are gifts that the Holy Spirit has given, and people have studied this over the years. Beloved, church is 2,000 years old. So certain things have been taught. Certain things have been blessed by the Lord. And you are, you are great to try and reinvent the wheel and see that it doesn't work well. It doesn't work well. There are gifts that are given for the maturity of the church. Not solely. Gifts that are given for the numerical growth of the church in terms of numbers. And there are gifts that are given for the organization, the leadership of the church. Let me stay with a small one. Organic church growth. How the church is administered. No, no, stay there, stay there, stay there. That's where most of the sermon will be. I'll stay there for at least five minutes. A church must be administered. That's government or leadership. What does it mean? People who are gifted, they know how to organize people. They know how to lead things. They know how to do things. They know how to divide me. They are commanders. They are generals. They are this. Do this. Put this here. Then you see order. Where you get a church and there's chaos, it means there's no order. Other people are not listening. For instance, let let me be direct with you, church. If there is no reason that your body of deacons has shown itself to be, excuse me, a useless body, that it is absolutely Unnecessary to feel antagonistic towards that group for what they have been tasked by God to do. When you do that, any group that throws its leadership, does not respect them, does not obey them, you'll be a house of chaos. And that is where Satan reigns. Secondly, helps. What I helped, I went to this bishop, and the bishop had made so much progress, and I was asking him, what is the secret of your progress? Then he pointed to this man. We were in a meeting. This bishop, I knew he didn't have too much education. we were always fighting about books. And then he showed me his iPad. And he said, What? He said, This young man is my brain. He writes everything and he brings it to me. I just read it. So talk to him. So I went to this guy. Who are you? He said, By training, I'm a pilot. I'm an engineer. I'm this and that. And the Lord called me to come and help this man. And I'll do anything for him to look good. Friends, that is what we call helps. The gift of help. Coming alongside the help without any notice. In fact, one of the things that the the bishop did that embarrassed me was the guy was having a problem with his waist. He said, kneel down here. In front of us. they said, kneel down. Raise your leg. Do this exercise and you'll be well. And, I said, ah. and the boy the man also did it. <laughs> Gift of help. So, whatever you are, you may be at the background. But you can take your skill. It, does, it doesn't matter what your skill is. You feel called to help somebody to look better. So you see that there are people in the Bible: the choosers, the Johannes, the Barnabases and all those, not necessarily, but helping. And people can be alongside. We went for a funeral. And they were talking, The a bishop's wife died. And they, uh, and they were crying. And I heard them say, this is the man who helps the bishop write all his books. I said, uh-huh. Oh, fine. Somebody is behind that. May the Lord release that spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Then there they are those who rule. There are those who govern. They may not be perfect, but once they are doing that, You must understand that they have a place, they have a giftedness. If you block them, you have a confused body. Number two, numerical growth. Yes, those who bring in the numbers, they are the gift of apostleship. They have been sent by God. And their anointing is to bring in the numbers. They'll bring in the numbers. Apostleship is not the same as evangelism. By definition, apostles have been sent by God. They have the capacity to build churches take care of other leaders who are pastors and leaders and they recognize their authority that that says the Lord through this person. It's not just a title. Sent by God. So Paul, first missionary journey, second missionary journey, third missionary journey. He's writing to Timothy. He's writing to Titus. He's writing to this and that. He's in prison. How come they recognize him? Say, I an apostle of the Lord. Not just a mere title. They have others who have the gift of evangelism. Oh, Philip the evangelist. The Lord called him, move from here to here. He was a deacon. The Lord translated him from here to here. Everybody's supposed to witness. But there are some who are gifted. I was standing at the stadium when I heard Billy Graham preaching. The message he preached as a teacher. For me, it was so simple, so childish, childlike, I may say. Then he made the altar call. Bah, they came here. I said, huh? Anointing past anointing see, everybody and their gift. Bring in the numbers. Miracles, signs and wonders. It's not everybody who can do it. God does it. And what is the purpose? Not for sure, not for you to establish your own camp, but to cause the church to grow. But you should know that that alone does not cause the church to grow. The church must grow in a certain context. Or you take the gift of healing. What is the miracle healing for? Yes, God will heal you so that you stay alive and do what He has called you to do. Not just heal you so that you go and play football and bleach your skin and bleach your face and say, I'm healed. Or the gift of mercy. Who are those with the gift of mercy? They don't do much. But when they see the poor, the needy, they are crying. They draw no attention to themselves. So Dorcas is dead and Peter is there. People, widows are crying. <laughs> Look at this woman. She gave us tunics. She gave us shoes. She gave us this and that and that. All in the name of Christ. These bring people, the community in which we, we live in, we need a lot of gifts of mercy. People who do it without blowing the horn, blowing the trumpet, showing people the love of God, even in this 21st century. I've been amazed by some of the stories from Ukraine and Russia, how people have come alongside. Thank you, Dr. Boti, for sending those, those tapes. We see people just coming, waking up. Yes, yeah, some of them may be doing it because they are Red Cross, they are Red Man. But something has awakened in people and they are doing something to help. But others do it because God has gifted them. All the fingers are not equal. And God has your specific place in the specific gift he has given you. Don't look at others and envy them. What God has given you, take it, hold it, and use it. Now let's go to the one. This other one. Maturity of the church. A lot of people come into the church. But there are some who have the responsibility... ensure that the babies become mature. That the mature become mature, educated enough to go and carry on the mission. So again, prophecy. What's the prophecy? Prophecy, yes, it's good. That says the Lord. But apart from that says the Lord, what does the Lord want? The Lord corrects you. The Lord rebukes you. The Lord directs you. The Lord shows things to you so that you'll be a useful person in the kingdom of God. You are playing with fire. So this, this air hostess with the gift of prophecy or word of knowledge, you may call it, whichever one you call it, goes to this man and said, ask the man, sir, I'm sorry. I'm putting you on another hat. I want to sh- ask you a question. Uh, please, you may answer if you want to. Who is Sandra to you? No, I said, please come. Uh, let's talk later. My wife is near me. He said, the Lord says, in a few days, you'll be struck down if you don't stop this with Sandra and turn to your wife. The wife goes by and says, what did the lady say to you? He said, you will see the difference. (laughs) Word of prophecy, word of knowledge, word of exhortation. There are people, look, word of encouragement. When they speak, I'm telling you, you know this is wisdom from God. They are teachers, they are encouragers, they are counselors. You are needed in that one. for the maturity of the church. So when you have a child coming to you, they are eating toffee, toffee, toffee. So ask them, what does toffee do? Toffee do to you to squirt your teeth. But if you tell them, if you eat something else, if you do something else, it will be different. What? Tongues. Very beautiful gift. God gives it to you so you can speak to God. You can speak to God. You edify yourself. You lift your spirit up. You are on cloud nine. Wonderful. You are charged. When the devil sees you, he says, Child, I won't come to that area. The whole place is charged. That's between you and your God and your anointing. Powerful. But when God calls you and you are leading a group and you say, likara, bache, you go on and on. Two dimensions. It can either be you bubbling over. Fine. It's okay. Some they do, they do it in the choir. Okay? Fine. And some others do it. But if it goes on and on and on, then there is the gift of interpretation of tongues so that people will understand. So that tongue is saying there's somebody in our midst here. You are, I'm robber. You came here to church today. The Lord is saying if you don't repent, look, today will be your last day. You'll be caught. You'll go to the dungeon in the and your name is Rick. He said, Rick, Rick what? He said, I am the one. I am the one. And they'll give glory to God because God has arrested somebody. Somebody is in our midst, he has secret things and he's hiding from it, beating his wife, insulting the husband. Oh, can God reveal that? Yes, he can. So let, so he says, when you receive those gifts, pray that the gifts will mature. And you use it for the growth of the body of Christ. No gift is for the benefit of the person alone. It is for the benefit of others. That is what is given for, for the maturity of the church of God. So how is your gift? Benefiting the church. It benefits you fine. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. But apart from that, who is it benefiting? You. You and your wife and your children. Help you. Teaching. Okay, I think that one we know it. But not teaching any unjust thing. Teaching the word of God. Rightly dividing the word of truth. You read, you understand, you teach. And when you have the gift of teaching, you must teach for others to understand that you have taught them. Teaching for impact, teaching for transformation, teaching with anointing. That's what teaching is about. Not just go and read somebody's book and be talking theories, blah 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 blah. blah. Teacher psychology say the philosophy. Say, no. Anointed. He said, Jesus, hey! Go and arrest him. Say, what? We have never seen any man teach like this. Go and arrest these disciples, they go then. Say, ah, we taught these people were fishermen. They've never been to any school. Then they took note that they had been with Jesus. Hallelujah. May he receive that anointing. And then they kept coming and coming and coming and coming. On the day of Pentecost, Peter was preaching. He had never been to any Bible school before. He was teaching. So the thing he was saying, quoting from Bible. The other day I was trying to examine why he took these things to us. I said, oh, my God. Where, even at that time, the Old Testament had not been printed to say he went and read it somewhere. According to the Jews, it didn't exist. Where did he get it from? The Lord is able to do whatever. Faith. It's, we all have faith. by For by grace you are saved through faith. But there's a gift of faith. That says the Lord, it shall happen. And I've seen people. so Get up and walk. Do this. God says he will do this. God's will is this and that. And when God does it, we give him praise. We give him thanks. When even he doesn't do it, like the, the children of... Uh, the, Hey, what do you say? Uh, Daniel, Sharak, Messiah. Look, as for you, <laughs> take note. Whether we die or not, we could care less. Unshakable faith in God. Whether you kill me or don't kill me, it doesn't make any difference. This old man, Polycap, they want to burn the man. Burn him. Three score years and ten have I served him. He has not done any harm to me. So why should I denounce him now? If you want to burn me, burn me. And they burnt him. That is why it is said that the blood of the martyrs is what? The seed of the church. Unshakable faith. But it's not everybody who has that gift. So when you have that gift, you are telling have faith, have faith, have faith, have faith in God. Everybody and their level of faith. Okay? All the disciples did not have the same faith. When Peter had the faith, he stepped in the boat. He got afraid. He said, Lord, have mercy. Increase my faith. But the rest, they didn't even try hello and they didn't even try and when Peter was preaching they too didn't go there you, you get me when Peter was when Peter ran away and went to fish and was misbehaving Jesus said feed my sheep feed my love feed my And was crying man Lord you love me Lord you they didn't go there they just say uh, so you say you are the leader yeah leadership his message giving people make the money in the thousands the millions And the giving that we are talking about is not giving your tithe and offering, which is good. People make the millions, the thousands, and they give it, and it makes them happy. Not grudging. Some people, they give, they give as if you are squeezing lime out of uh, uh, lime juice. No, they give. And the gift of giving goes along with the ability and opportunity to make money. You make the money, and you give it. May God raise more of those people in the church. And they use it for scholarships, for things that help the body of Christ. The last but not the least, pastoring. That's those who have the ability to pastor people and clean the dead and take the garbage and take all these other things and make sure that they protect the sheep, some of which are becoming goats and squirrels and all of that. And and, and God gives you a light heart. Somebody asked me, how do you survive? It is the grace that God gives. that I hear things, like, one of my, my deacons, they, are, they know my favorites, my, one of my favorite sayings. I said, ah! If there were no sheep, there would not be a shepherd. If there were no goat, there would be none. The Lord said, keep the sheep and the goat together. Keep the wheat and the tare together. But teach them, teach them, rebuke them, correct them, exhort them, anoint them, lead them. Hello? It's not easy. Let's go on. So, this, this particularly, between the four groups, and the role of the Holy Spirit, which I release in all of you for your eyes to open. When we do that as a church, the 154 principle says, there are four results from that healthy situation. Because anybody who is healthy, you see some traits. So, numerical growth. The numbers should become obvious. You go to your Sunday school, you go to your open class, you are bringing others you go to your evangelism, the evangelists are doing what they need to do, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, are bringing the numbers. Now, where will you put the numbers? You decide where to put them. You go to the spiritual growth. The people have become, have become grown. They are making choices based on values. I will not take bribe because the Lord said this. Yes, I will not accept this scholarship from you. Because you are somebody's wife. You are somebody's husband. I will not take the bribe. I will not do it. I will not tell this lie. Or have lied. Please forgive me. I like the prodigal son for what he did. The Lord took him out. He went and learned sense. Then he came back to his father. Father, I've sinned against God. And I've sinned against you. If the father said, get away. Yeah, 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 yeah. He said, thank you, sir. God has forgiven me. The young man in Potiphar's house... The woman gave him scholarship. Say, said, God forbid that I should do anything against God and against you. My Lord, I won't do it. Spiritual anchor. May God help us be anchored in him. That's what we mean by spiritual growth. Not fair weather Christian. One is good, one good. is not good. Monday you have a character. Tuesday you have a character. Sunday you have a... Getting to Saturday, oh God, we are going to church, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord, help me, Lord, forgive me, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to church, forgive me. No. When the devil sees you, when your enemies even see you, they say, ask for this one. If you will get him anywhere, you will get him because he's preaching, he's teaching, he's praying in the name of God. That's spiritual maturity. Expanding ministries. What are expanding ministries? Nobody will force it. But as the Lord gives you the gifts, as the Lord enables you, as the resources become available, as the prophets give the direction, as the apostles are going, ministries expand and expand and expand and expand. And Calvary has ministries here and there, here and there, unimaginable. (laughs) I did an apprenticeship under a pastor in Oklahoma. It was a a, a Presbyterian church. (laughs) They took us to churches. And there were so many ministries. So I asked this pastor, How do you know all the things that are happening in the church? They said, do you want an honest answer? I said, yes. I said, I don't know. If I know all, then I've taken over the role of the Holy Spirit. I said, ah, what? Yeah, because if you want to control and gag and manage all, yeah, there's a way of trying to know. But if you want to manipulate and do all of them under control, you will die first. Or God will remove you so that his work will go on. The last one, expanding missions. What is missions? Simple definition I learned some long time ago from Singapore. They caught people in the chair. They were training them and sending out to all kinds of missions. Oh, my daughter, welcome from uh, Ukraine through Hungary through Bulgaria. You are welcome. You are welcome. Thank God for bringing them back. Now, what is missions? Can you say it after me? May I see souls in other nations saved. Let's say it together. May I see souls in other nations saved. Simply, that is the most childish and simplest definition of missions I see. Christ said, make disciples of all nations. So whether they are Fulanese or Chinese or Indians or this, you are praying to God who said, from Jerusalem, Judea, all Samaria, May I see them saved? Give me the next slide. My time that I give myself is coming. All right. Now, you see, for this to work, a church must be segmented. The church must have a system of training and discipling others. What I'm saying, I'm trying to provoke a reaction. I'm trying to provoke people who say, Pastor, I want to be part of this planning group for this church to be different. So, in most churches that are growing, there are about three or four levels. At least four levels. uh, They are working on our projector. It hasn't come properly, but I'll just try and explain. All right, Let me try and explain the normal way. When people are young, they go to school, they go to kindergarten. From kindergarten, you go where? Primary school. From primary school, you go to the JHS or SHS. They are the same. Uh, Or then you go to tertiary. So, maybe you don't like the primary, you don't like the KG. Primary, secondary, JHS, SHS, and tertiary. In every church that wants to develop healthy, spirit-filled, functioning and producing Christians must have four levels of training. One, the entry point. Sunday school, open groups, and all of that. Two, Building stage, membership to discipleship, what they are being taught, what church is mission is all about, finding their spiritual gifts and what needs to be done. Three. What is that? Disciple to ministry. They are being they are doing ministry. They've seen their gifts and they are ministering. And the last but not the least, you are sending them out into the world. CLI, that's some of the Christian leadership institutes. Some of the pastors and churches we have. Is because of that. Is the Lord calling you, can we find a place in Calvary? Can you find a place? This is what you do as a church to keep people moving, make them healthy. They come to the church to be reproductive, reproducing Christians, not just, excuse me to say, women. Sometimes they are women because we haven't provided any challenge for them. Sometimes they have the talent. If you are, if you are somebody who reads the daily, which one? The other one. I use it for dessert, uh, daily bread or daily guide, the 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 small one. Yeah, today I was getting the dessert. Who read it? Read it this morning. They're talking about this lady who had grown and she was in a wheelchair, and she used to be a ballet dancer and all these beautiful things, but she was now paralyzed in a wheelchair, and they were playing Tchaikovsky music. She had Alzheimer's. They saw her tapping her toes and doing all kinds of things. And somebody reached out to her and touched her. And she got up. And she started dancing. And nobody could believe that somebody with Alzheimer's disease was dancing like that. Mister, Sutherland, don't look at me like that. And the lesson is this. She may be crippled. She may have Alzheimer's. But the gift and the talent is not gone. And so there are people who are prayer warriors in their chairs, in their bedrooms, in their old age, in their nursing homes. Because the gifts and calls of God are without limit. Let me see what I'll take one last one and then I'll see. If not, cost of church roof. Let me run through that. You see, for this to happen, we must be willing to pay the price. Some churches are not willing to pay the price. Let me give the first one, and then maybe I'll stop. There was this church in uh, in Britain, and I read about it again three weeks ago. Oh, Mr. Golightly, uh, welcome from the UK. Now, they, it's according to the law that this room is labeled for 79 people. So, it can only take 79 people. So, the pastor tried to grow the church. And every time one is preaching, he he watches what is going on at the entrance there. When they count the number, it's other 75, 76, 78. So after a year, the pastor called a meeting. Why? Why? Is the church 78, 79. So the chief deacon said, Pastor, we have taken an insurance policy. And by that insurance policy, this church can only sit 79 people. So when you say all those things and people come, then we run a rotation. Okay, uh, Deacon Antonio, you went out last week So, Professor, reduce your turn to go out for somebody coming. If three people have come, uh, 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 Deacon and Mrs. Hoover, decide who will go and who will stay. You decide. Uh, So, that's what they've been doing, bargaining over there. The church never grew. So, he asked them, what prevented you from getting more insurance to cover the people? So, we never thought about that. They were not willing to pay the price for those vagabonds and smelling people who come and spoil their fellowship." And churches may not grow because people are not willing to pay the cost. For more, come next two weeks. God help us. Amen.